Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning and welcome to Score Values on 670 The Score. I'm your host, Alex Kuhn. Today, we will tell you about a couple of local organizations doing incredible work in the community. One of them is working to end hunger in our community, and the other provides educational help to students from low-income communities while providing them with the equipment and resources to learn and play the sport of hockey. The Greater Chicago Food Depository started as a grassroots organization back in 1979, and over four decades later, the organization has grown into a network of over 800 local pantries, soup kitchens, and shelters that work together to provide meals to our neighbors in need. We now welcome Man Yi Lee, the Director of Communications for the Greater Chicago Food Depository, joining us now on Score Values. Man Yi, good morning and welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, thank you, and thank you for having me. Yeah, we're, we're excited to have you. A lot uh, going on now this time of year, but tell us a little bit about what you guys do, your mission at the Greater Chicago Food Depository. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. So basically, the Greater Chicago Food Depository, we are Chicago's food bank. And what that means is that we work to end hunger in the community. We do this through working through a network of more than 800 community partners, um, including soup kitchens, pantries, shelters, uh, to provide food to the community and to anyone in need. The food that we provide to those pantries um, uh, come from a number of sources including food from the government through the USDA, uh, also donated food from um, corporations that we partner with. We also purchase a lot of the food that we, um, you know, get get out into the community using um, the generous donations of our supporters, which has become a little bit challenging during times of, you know, high inflation and elevated food prices. Yeah, I want to kind of get into that because you, we... Food insecurity is always an issue, and especially during the pandemic. But now that the pandemic has subsided, um, where is the level at, and especially due to what you just mentioned, soaring prices? 
Yeah, that's an excellent question. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, there is really a misconception right now that the food, that food insecurity went away with the pandemic. That certainly is not the case of what we're seeing right now. Hunger does persist in our community and many families continue to find it hard to put food on the table. Um, in fact, 19% of Chicago metro area households, that's one in five households, um, and 22% of households with children um, were food insecure during the last week of August and the first week of September, which is similar to levels that we were seeing during the first few months of the pandemic. Um, Black and Latino families with children are typically disproportionately affected by hunger. 31% of Latino households with children compared to 23% of Black households with children um, and 16% of white households with children. It's high because of the cumulative effects of inflation, elevated food prices, and really the rollback of crucial pandemic era public assistance programs uh, such as, you know, SNAP or or food stamps as it's commonly known. It's been one thing after another. And as a result, many families are really turning to our food pantries for the first time ever. Um, In August of uh, 2023, um, our partner network um, of pantries across Cook County served more than 190,000 households. That's approximately 422,000 individuals. That's 22% more guests than we did last year uh, in August. Um, So we predict this will continue uh, for many more months, if not years. Households really need time to regain financial stability after the challenges of the last few years, and we expect that the need for food to continue throughout this year and beyond. Certainly a harrowing statistic, but if, if someone is facing food insecurity, where can they go to get help? Mm. Mm. Yeah, so anyone who is worried about where their next meal will come from, they are really encouraged to find their nearest food pantry by visiting our website at chicagosfoodbank.org. And then on there, there's a find food tool where you could just click and enter your zip code and it will pull up your closest um, food pantries where you can go. Just want to mention that food provided is at no cost to guests. Uh, people don't need to um, show an ID um, or, you know, prove, uh, pr- prove uh, legal status or anything like that. They um, they just maybe need to have a proof of address to ensure that you live in the in the service area. And if in doubt, just call ahead. There's the telephone number on there already. You know, everybody needs help once in a while, Alex. You know, we're all just one big health bill away or a job loss away from needing help. Definitely. Man Yi Lee, the Director of Communications for the Greater Chicago Food Depository, joining me on Score Values this morning. And reading a little bit about the Greater Chicago Food Depository, this started as a grassroots nonprofit organization and has just uh, has just grown into such, such a big help for so many people. How has your organization been able to grow so much over the years? Yeah, correct. That's what, yeah, that is exactly what happened. We were established in 1979, so we've been doing this for a little while. Initially to address the immediate need for food in the community, which we still do through the pantries that I just mentioned. Um, But now we also work to address the root causes of hunger, right? Uh, Which we believe are poverty, systemic inequity, and structural racism. Uh, We do this by investing directly 
in communities that have been impacted by generations of disinvestment. Um, we also create jobs and uh, economic opportunity in historically disinvested um, communities, and we offer workforce development programs to help build skills to self-sufficiency, and that help break the cycle of poverty. So today we've grown into a food bank that um, distributed 92 million pounds of food across Cook County last fiscal year, and we're very proud of that. That's the equivalent of around 76 million meals. Can you talk a lot of, a, a little bit about the, the, the job training and, and, and uh, ways that you help people gain employment? Yeah, so we have job training programs. Um, you can get the information on our website at chicagosfoodback.org. And basically, it is uh, we, we provide a little bit of um, a stipend for people who want to build up their skills either in the hospitality industry or in the warehouse, um, you know, area industries, really food-related industries, um, to kind of um, help them to build up their skills so that they can um, provide for their families and to really kind of break out of this uh, cycle of poverty. Um, you know, obviously people are not going to get out of this unless they are able to support their families. And um, But if they've never really had the opportunity or access to any of the training programs um, in order to uh, become self-sufficient and hold down a, a good paying job, um, you know, that's clearly a barrier. And so that's something that we, um, you know, that's what we try to do and do our part to, to, to help uh, communities in need. You guys have so many volunteers. What are all the different ways that people can get involved? Oh, great question. Yeah, thank you. There's a number of ways. Yes, you mentioned volunteering. You can uh, volunteer at the food depository here at um, Archer Heights. Um, or um, at your local food pantry. Um, that really is just to help repack food into smaller manageable portions for families. You can also do a virtual food drive um, if you so desire. You know, join one or start one of your own. Every dollar that is contributed is the equivalent of three meals. That allows us to buy the equivalent of three meals. Um, we also encourage donations, of course, um, and we're always really grateful for those. This really allows us to purchase food um, and to fund the programs that we offer to, to end hunger. You can go to chicagosfoodbank.org slash donate to, to donate. And the last thing is to advocate, follow us on social media and help raise awareness and support our anti-hunger policy campaigns that we have throughout the year. Do you guys hold, what, what type of events do you hold to raise money or, or, or uh, collect food, food drives, stuff like that throughout the, throughout the year that, that people can get involved in? Oh, that's a great question. Yes. Um, well, that's um, perfectly timed because right now, as you know, that the, the marathon is coming up um, uh, not this Sunday. I think it's the Sunday after on October the 8th. Next Sunday. Um, we actually, yes. A week yes, from today. We, yes. We have a... Um, we have a team of 55 runners made up of supporters and volunteers this year that will be supporting a running for the food depository. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll be there. So come and say hi and learn more about our mission. We'll be cheering on our runners at um, an area called the Ch Charity Block Party, I believe. It's at the corner of Adams and Loomis near the United Center. And we also will have a booth at the Expo, um, which is taking place at the McCormick Place, I believe. Um, people can support us. Naturally, it's too too late to, to run for this year, uh, for a run for us this year. But, you know, we're always welcome and always are grateful for anyone who wants to support us. Next year, if you want to, if you're interested in running um, on the Food Depository team in the 2024 uh, race, contact Marathon 
on at gcfd.org and someone will get back to you and we'll chat about how we can make that a possibility. Yeah, so the, the, the marathon for, for so many organizations, nonprofit organizations, including yours, just such a, an amazing event to, to raise money to help so many people. What is it like to see your guys' uh, team fill up so quickly? Because you mentioned, yeah, we're not taking entries into the marathon. I'm sure it's been, uh, for, for you guys, it's been uh, sold out or, or filled up for a very long time. What's it like to get that type of support around a world-class event that brings so much to this city? It is wonderful. And we know that Chicago area, you know, supporters are always very, very supportive of our work. And it's always very, very encouraging. You know, I always imagine it, you know, just at the start line at Grant Park when everyone rushes. It just feels like that when the applications open up for us to join our team. It's just kind of, uh, that's always the image that I have. And it's, it's, it's really heartwarming. It's great to see. It's great to see that people care about food insecurity and, you know, eradicating um, hunger in our communities because it's, it's an important issue. One more time, the website and, and what they can find there and ways to donate to the Chicago uh, Food Depository. Yeah, we're at chicagosfoodbank.org. You can donate, donate there. You can learn more about how to volunteer. You can um, you know, join a virtual food drive or set up your own virtual food drive and, or connect with our social medias. You can also, if you are or know someone who is in need of food, go go onto the website and use the Find Food tool, which is on our homepage, and uh, you can easily find free food um, at, at your lo- nearest location. Mandy Lee, the Director of Communications for the Greater Chicago Food Depository. Thank you so much. We're going to be excited to see all the runners representing the, the, the food bank uh, uh, next week at the marathon. It was great chatting with you this morning. Thank you so much, Alex. Once again, that was Man Yi Lee, the Director of Communications for the Greater Chicago Food Depository. There are few sports in the world more fun and exhilarating to learn and play than the sport of hockey. Yes, I may be biased in saying that, but I stand by it 100%. It's no secret, though, that costs for children to play is, is very high. Between equipment, ice time, league fees, and other hockey-related expenses, the price can be too much for many families to afford to put their kids into a hockey program. Brad Erickson and the folks at Inner City Education, or ICE, are working to do something about that. Whether it's providing equipment and ice time to children in underprivileged communities, giving students tutoring help with their schoolwork, or... Offering scholarships to some students, the folks at ICE see that for some kids, all that is needed is an opportunity. We're now joined by Brad Erickson, the founder and executive director of Inner City Education, also known as ICE. Brad, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, we're delighted to have you this morning. Tell us a little bit about what you guys do and your mission at ICE. Yeah, we are a grassroots nonprofit that I started in Chicago uh, back in 2003, and we provide low-income inner-city boys and girls with hockey equipment, ice time, coaching, mentoring, mandatory tutoring before every practice, and also a limited number of academic scholarships to private schools first grade and up. Yeah, and, and, and let's get into uh, just the the educational and the athletic aspect of what you guys do. And, and, and for children who, uh, who, who are from 
lower income communities. What is it like to be able to bring, let's start with the sport of hockey, the, to bring the sport of hockey to kids who may not otherwise have access to it? Yeah, it's, it's really fun, actually, um, to have uh, kids get involved in a non-traditional sport for their community or their neighborhood. Um, once we get them on the ice and they can feel what it's like to glide along the ice and feel the, the wind in their face, they get hooked. I don't care if it's a boy or a girl, younger, older, what race, what country. Um, it's just uh, kind of a feeling of freedom, kind of like riding a bike when you're, when you're a little kid. It's fun. And then they get a stick in their hand and start to learn to play with the puck, and it just kind of snowballs. And um, you see the excitement on their face when they show up at the rink at, for practice every morning. Even it's Saturday morning when it's out an outdoor rink and it's 10 degrees out, they're excited to be there. Yeah, it's interesting with the sport of hockey because it, it's – it's one of those things where I think a lot of people, including myself, I didn't play as a kid, have picked it up as, as an adult. You have people who start when they're younger. You have all different people from, from different backgrounds picking up the sport. But once they do get involved and once they do get that opportunity, like you said, it's addictive. It become, they, they, they become hooked. It becomes their exercise. It becomes their, their escape and, and, and their fun. And for, for a lot of these kids, uh, a, a way to get away from from kind of the everyday school and and uh, stresses of 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 all of that. What do you think it is about the sport that that brings that out? I think it's um, exactly what you just said. It's that uh, it's the escape, um, and there's that feeling of freedom of being on the ice, and you can get out and get some energy out. You can express yourself in the way that you skate and the way that you play. It's a form of creativity, but it also is great that you make friends and you have teammates and, you know, we're able to teach the kids all the important things that come with that with teamwork and, and self-discipline and supporting each other um, and being just a, a good person in the locker room and a good um, person on the ice. And it translates into other parts of life, of course. So it's just, you know, I mean, most team sports do that. Um, hockey players, of course, we, we always feel like we do it differently or better. Um, but, yeah, it's a unique sport. It's, it's very different from other sports in that there's always some guy that made it to the NFL or the NBA that didn't play until high school. But it just doesn't work with hockey. If you can't skate like you can walk by the time you're 8 or 10, you're going to have a rough road. Um, and then the puck's on the end of a stick, not in your hand like a football or basketball. So it's just something that it's very helpful to learn at a young age, but there's also just so much going on. There's so much to learn, and and you can play 50 years and still not learn everything. And so the kids just really enjoy that, I think, and it um, lets them be creative and lets them get some energy out. Brad Erickson, the founder and executive director of Inner City Education, also known as ICE, joining us this morning on score values. And you mentioned the educational aspect of this, the mandatory tutoring that goes on before each practice. What, what is that like for the kids? What type of mentorships do you offer? And, and, and how much does it, it help these kids in, in school uh, to, to, to get this type of one-on-one attention? Yeah, it's a great question actually, because our first year doing the tutoring and the hockey and so on was 2015. Prior to that, all we did was, raise money and give out scholarships. And then we started the hockey program and the tutoring came with it, et cetera. And I had a woman who I used to coach on a team, I coached women's team in the early 2000s. 
who was a CPS teacher and had just become the principal of a uh, school in Cicero, of an elementary school. And we were doing our hockey program at the rink in Cicero, at the Bobby Hall Community Rink. And we ended the season March 1st because that's when the rink shuts down. And we ended the tutoring March 1st because that's when the rink shut down. And then I felt bad because we weren't giving the kids tutoring for the rest of the school year like we had done the previous few months. And I thought, well, not a big deal. It's kind of a glorified study hall. The kids, you know, bring their homework and we have a handful of people there, some teachers, some not teachers who volunteer and help the kids out. But then my friend who was the principal told me how much the kids were being impacted by the tutoring, that their grades had gone up. And also from the hockey being part of the team, their confidence had gone up. She said kids that she would pass by in the hallway that would normally look down at the floor were looking her in the eyes and saying hello. So it had a bigger impact than I expected, to be honest, which was a great surprise. So it's something we've really been focused on all along is the tutoring. Um, and it's nice to hear that it's, you know, having an impact on the kids' grades and helping them even to get into better schools. Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting. You you mentioned that somebody can make it to the NBA, didn't play basketball starting in high school, and same with, with baseball and, and soccer. Because of that, do you think that there's a little bit extra of a confidence boost that comes with learning a sport for, for these kids that is completely new and, and starting from the ground up, starting from making some mistakes and learning how to correct those mistakes. And, and maybe that kind of transfers over into their schoolwork as well. Absolutely. And I think it's fun for kids to, you know, know they're sitting in a classroom where they're the only hockey player and it's something kind of cool about them, kind of different, you know, kind of special. Um, and overcoming struggles uh, in practice and learning new things. Our first day, I mean, we had brand new, we bought all brand new equipment from Bauer, brand new jerseys with our logo on it. We had 40 kids come on the ice and we looked like an all-star team. But I'm used to coaching kids that have been playing 10, 15 years. I hadn't coached absolute beginners before. And as they came on the ice, every single one of them fell down immediately. <laughs> right. I thought, we have a lot of work to do. And some of the kids get frustrated, you know, when they're, they're not picking things up. But they keep at it, and then they learn how to stop uh, on both sides, and they learn how to, you know, do certain things with the puck. And you can see the smile on their face and the confidence when they finally get it. And that absolutely has to translate to the rest of their life. That teaches kids not to quit. It teaches them not to give up. It teaches them to, to keep trying until they get something right. Yeah, I was going to say for for your volunteers, for yourself, is there, there there has to be few things more rewarding than seeing that kid who steps on the ice for the first time and falls down immediately and then several <laughs> months later knows how to stop. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're they're flying around. We have so many great volunteers that thankfully have experience with beginning skaters and beginning hockey players because, like I said, I don't. I'm used to coaching kids who've been playing for a long time. Uh, so that was actually a learning experience for me too. Um, but, yeah, the volunteers working with the kids and seeing the kids get it is really fun and really gratifying. But more than that, to be honest, the biggest thing for me is the educational part. Right. I was invited to a high school graduation of one of our kids a couple months ago, and she started with us when she was – think nine years old and this is a a young lady whose mother uh brought her and her two sisters from mexico to escape an abusive marriage and had little english at all when she arrived with her three daughters in tow and this young lady has been on a scholarship with us uh since 2016 
and she just graduated a, from a really good high school in River Forest, and she's off to study uh, mechanical engineering this fall. And um, it was it, it really made me happy to see that we were able to have an impact on her academic future and her future career. Just an amazing story, Brad. And it, does it kind of go to show that that for for children who come from underprivileged backgrounds, really, it's just about opportunity? Absolutely, hundred percent. That's you know that was really one of the main reasons I I founded the ICE program back in two thousand three was because kids are just not getting the opportunity, and there's just an injustice about it. You know, these kids live in neighborhoods where. Their schools don't get the funding that other neighborhoods get. They're not getting the quality of education, and it's going to impact their future, of course. So some of the kids, they just need a little help, a little hand up, and they'll do the rest on their own. Brad Erickson, the founder and executive director of ICE, joining us now on Score Values. Brad, what type of volunteers are you guys looking for? We're always looking for good volunteers in all the areas that we can use them, which is uh, hockey coaches, skating coaches, academic tutors, and mentors. And the mentoring is becoming a bigger and bigger part of our program. In the early days, I was a de facto mentor for all of our scholarship kids. You know, we only had a couple. And if somebody got in trouble at school, I would leave work and go to the dean's office or what have you. Uh, but then when it got to be 15 kids on scholarship and 20 kids on scholarship, there was no way I could handle all that, of course. Uh, so we assigned a mentor to each of our scholarship kids. Now we want to have mentors for all the kids in our program, not just the kids that are receiving scholarships. So we learned that through studies that have shown this, that having one adult mentor outside your family, whether it's a teacher or a coach or a family friend or whomever, taking an interest in a child's life can have a huge impact on their future. Let's start with mentors and tutors. Is there any previous experience or or credentials that need to come with with being a tutor for ICE? No, there isn't. There isn't. It's basic schoolwork. It's homework. you You know, unfortunately, the are you smarter than a fifth grader might scare some people away, but it's, it's mostly kids around that age with homework that most adults can handle. Um, so no specialized training. We do of course do a background check on everybody and all of our volunteers also have to go through USA hockey safe sport training. So we make sure there's no lines being crossed and all the kids are safe and the program is safe too, but that's really it. And, of course, for coaching, what, what type of background are you looking for in your coaches and your, your skating coaches? Um, different levels. We have people who have, you know, massive backgrounds. We had a woman who unfortunately moved away, but she played on Team USA for, in the Olympics twice. Um, but we also have people who are adult league players who didn't start playing until they were in their 20s or 30s. It, you don't need to be an all-star to be a coach with us. Um, but our coaches, again, background check, safe sports, and they will have to be USA Hockey certified, and there's courses they can do online. Brad Erickson, the founder and executive director of Inner City Education, also known as ICE, thank you so much for joining us this morning. And, and what can folks uh, expect if they, they visit your website? What, what is the, the URL for your website as well? Yes, it's www 
innercityeducation.org, all one word, innercityeducation.org. And they can go there and, uh, and make donations, which are very important to us, of course, in our mission. And they can find information on how to get involved and stay on top of whatever news we have coming out and events that we'll be doing to raise money down the road. Brad, great stuff. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you to Brad Erickson for joining me this morning. The ICE program has received plenty of support over the years, including from Blackhawk Stanley Cup championship winning defenseman Brent Seabrook. This is Seabs, as well as participants and their families, discussing the impacts of the program. Education is, is such a big thing. I know growing up, uh, you know, I had good schooling, and, and Brad emphasizes, uh, you know, schooling and, and tutoring before you can play hockey, things like that. So, um, you know, I think that's all uh, all great for, for America's youth and, and uh, something that we hope to, to continue growing. I'm very, very thankful because from Brad, we got many opportunities to meet the Blackhawks and go to events that just made us love the game more. And he gave us lots of ice time and time to have fun. And I'm just thankful for that because many friendships were made. It's awesome. I'm sorry. It's hard coming from a local community and getting the experience like this for your kids is not easy. So it's a, it's a great program. Ready? All right. They like help children in like underprivileged schools and I think that's very nice. Kind of helps me feel better about myself knowing that I can play hockey. That audio courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago. The website, once again, for those interested, is innercityeducation.org. That's going to do it for another edition of Score Values. I want to thank Man Yee Lee, the communications director of the Greater Chicago Food Depository, for joining me this morning. I also want to thank Brad Erickson, the executive director of ICE, for stopping by. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about on a future edition of our show or if you'd like to share information about an upcoming charitable event, just send us an email at scorevalues670 at gmail.com. That's scorevalues670 at gmail.com. I'm Alex Kuhn. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Score Values on 670 The Score. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 